0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This is Acecast Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. the left field deep. Bam, going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout and he
2: blasts one. Way back. It's
3: one
4: out. So he oh, on. he's your home run derby champion.
1: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town. Only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Murphy sets up inside. The Pishno is taken. Hit the knees, bring him up. Fastball. Strike three called. Yeah, feels straight up. And Bassett delivers, and Rendon waves at a breaky ball, and down he goes. And Bassett, a 1-2-3 top of the first. One one pitch on the way. Swung on a five-ball, shallow, left center field, long run for everybody. It's going to drop. And so scoring is Lowry, and Chapman right behind him to score. And the A's take a 3-0 lead. Matt Chapman got a great read, and he was running right down Jed's back. And Jed has a big smile on his face. And now here's the delivery. It's an 0-2 pitch on the way. Swung on a ground ball to short. Elvis is right there. Turns, throws to first for the out. And Chris Bassett has thrown the game of his life. For the first time, he throws a complete game. It's also a shutout. It's a two-hitter and a dazzling performance by the A's right-hander. Here's Chris Townsend.
3: What a night here at the
1: Coliseum
3: for Chris Bassett. And I can't be more happy for a guy that has worked so hard and to come back from injury and to be one of those guys, and we've mentioned this a ton, one of those guys coming back from Tommy John surgery that it didn't go so hot, that there were setbacks. And there were times that he didn't know if he'd ever pitch again. And it happens around the league. And to fight through that and then come back and think that you earned a spot on this team to be told in Tokyo, Japan, nah, we got an opportunity to send you back down because of a fourth-year option. Because you had the surgery and you didn't play that season, we have the ability to send you back down. And let me tell you something. He was angry. I did an interview with him at the Tokyo Dome, and we have a guy that used to to be in PR here that was listening to my interview and listening to Bassett, and he's like, I don't know if you can run that. And that's where I was like, um, you know, that's that's not how we roll. So I walked out of the clubhouse. I went to David Force, the general manager. I said, hey, I just did this interview with Chris Bassett. This is what he said. Are, Are you cool with that? And he goes, I have no problem with that. If I was him, I'd be angry, too. So we aired the interview. See, this is when I first started working for the A's, because back when I was on 95-7, you know, (laughs) it would be like, get away. But that moment was a harsh one for him. And if you remember when he came back, and he pitched well for the Athletics in 2019, and then all of a sudden they put him in the bullpen at the end of the year. Because he went to Bob Melvin. And he and Melvin have had an interesting relationship. Because years ago, when he was in the bullpen, he did not like it. And there was a little round and round. Not too much, but there was a little round and round with him and Bob Melvin. But then all of a sudden he says, you know what, Bob? Uh, You need help? I'll, I'll go in the bullpen. And since then, their relationship has just been absolutely phenomenal. And to think that he went to the bullpen to help out to now where he is, where he is your best starter. There's no question. You got to remember that year he went to the bullpen. He was 10 and five. But established last year as a legit starter at 5-2 and two with a 2.29 ERA in 11 games. Remember, sh- short season. This year, 5-2 and two with a 3.21 ERA. Chris Bassett, at 32 years old, is coming into his own as Gene from Oakland last night on the Clubhouse show said he's aging like a fine wine. Well, there's something to be there when you haven't thrown a lot of games in your career. He doesn't have, you know, you know, other than the Tommy John surgery, which hopefully once you get past and you come back, you're as strong as ever. He doesn't have the wear and tear on his arm. He doesn't have the wear and tear of all these years pitching. So he's, I guess, you could kind of say fresh. The most, the most games he's ever pitched in a season is 28. The most starts he's had is 25. So you're in a situation right now where you're 32 years old, you feel great, you feel, you feel blessed. You feel blessed to be able to be on the mound and compete. And right now he leads the league in starts. And how much does this mean to him? Let's play the audio from last night with Dallas Braden as, okay, it's a complete game, it's a shutout, really cool. But listen to how emotional he was with Dallas Braden on NBC Sports California.
1: Hey, you're groaning a lot right now. I've heard you groan a few times since you sat down. Is that, uh, are you tired after that one? <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not trying to be weird, but uh, gosh dang. Like, I'm just trying to hold back tears right now. That's, I mean, that's honest. That's, uh There's so many people in this organization that have that, I mean, they have stuck by my side through so much crap and I'm just so grateful, honestly, I'm grateful. It's wonderful. Sorry, I need a drink. I'm oh, sorry. No. you're making me drink right now. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't intend that. But no, but you're fine. Is this? An, is this? This is a big, meaningful step for you, isn't it? I mean, um... man. I, I mean, I'm just. There's so many people that have pushed me, when I was going through so much crap. Um, my wife. I mean, obviously, I have a little girl. But I'm, um, dang man, like. Yeah, like Bowmel I mean, Showman, ev- everyone, Nick, ev- everyone. Um, as dumb as it is, the clubbies, like everyone just pushed me when they knew I was struggling through so much stuff. And like I said, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be here.
3: I mean, that, that's, that's powerful stuff. That's raw emotion on a game that's just May 27th. But it tells you what that game meant to him last night and really fulfilling the entire comeback of his career. I mean, he's he's such a nice guy. He's a fun guy. But things aren't fun when you're injured. Things aren't fun when you're rehabbing and you don't feel like you're part of the team. And now he's a central point of this team as the number one starter, no question. I love hearing the emotion. tells you, tells you, tells you what a special guy. And and you know what it also tells you. It tells you about the love that's in that clubhouse. And Chris Bassett has mentioned it on this show about how the relationship with everybody in that clubhouse. These guys play for each other because they love each other. And I know that might sound corny, but it's real. You know, he mentioned on our show that guys will leave Oakland and they'll call up back to players here going, man, in this clubhouse, it's miserable. These guys are miserable. The team's miserable. It's not fun. These guys have a lot of fun together. It's a big part of who they are and why they win and why they play for each other. And how many times do you see – a pitcher, like, get emotional and talk about his manager to, to talk about even the clubhouse guys. That's why Bob Meldon is one win away. One win away from tying Tony La Russa for the most wins ever by an Oakland A's manager. One win away. And I did this in the third inning the other day because I know there's been people, well, Bob hasn't won a World Series, and Bob hasn't been to the World Series. I had to remind everybody. Bob Melvin hasn't had three MVPs. Bob Melvin hasn't had two Cy Young Award winners. Bob Melvin hasn't had three Rookie of the Year's. Bob Melvin didn't have the highest payroll in baseball. Tony La Russa in 1990 had the highest payroll in baseball. Hard to believe how we deal with this now, but back in 1990, the A's had the highest payroll in the game. And they had a high payroll in 89. There's a lot of things Tony LaRusa had that Bob Melvin hasn't. And you think of the change since Bob got here. Bob would have got here in 2011. And the team just got done with a series in Baltimore. Billy Bean flies to Chicago to fire his. Best friend, Bob Guerin. That can't be easy. Bob Melvin takes over. Melvin doesn't even know who these guys are. Maybe we'll we'll talk about that tomorrow. Cody, we're going to have him at 11... We're going to tape him tomorrow
2: at 11.15? 11.10, somewhere around there, yeah.
3: 11.10. Uh, have Bob tell the story how... He's in the dugout, and he has to look at the back of the jerseys to know who these guys are. <laughs> and then the series ends, and they're flying home, and Bob Melvin's sitting out of the front of the plane, and he's kind of hiding it, that he's reading the media guide. He, has, he doesn't know. His, he, he's now the manager of a bunch of guys that are who knows who these guys are. He had to read the media guide to figure out who these guys are, and it went like that for a while. And I know, but I know Bob is going to play this off like no big deal. He is going to play it off like no big deal. No, okay. Let, let me, let me, let me, let me change that. It, it's going, it's going to mean a lot, and he's going to be very humble. But I, it will, deep down, what this means to him as a guy that grew up an A's fan, who grew up here in the Bay Area, be the all-time winningest manager in Oakland A's history, is going to mean a lot to him. He's just not going to go nuts about it. He'll be very humble and be very gracious.
2: Yeah, Bob's not a big me guy. Um, there's a fantastic piece in The Athletic uh, from Andy McCullough talk uh, that highlights Bob as a manager and what he means to the players and his sto- the story about how Bob got the job and how big of a germaphobe he is. Um, it's a really, really good piece in The Athletic about Bob's his tenure in Oakland. Uh, people want to check it out. and It talks about um, the the part you're mentioning, how Bob didn't know any of the players, he was like scouting for the Mets, and he, you know he looked at the back of the names on the jersey, and
3: he lived uh, in New York. He yeah, was, he was he was basically like, a, I don't know, he wasn't a scout, he was like an advisor. Yeah, he was
2: doing something there, but he lived in New York. Yeah, and and Billy brought him in, and and he didn't know any of the players on the team, and here he is, the longest tenured manager in baseball. So it, it's a it's a great story, and it, going back to Chris Bassett for a second, I went and looked. Chris Bassett's a uh, uh, shout out yesterday is only the second complete game in the American League that was not a no hitter so far this year. So take while all the no hitters. There's only been two complete games that were not a no hitter. That you know what that 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 does not shock me. The other one was uh, I believe was Lance Lynn of the Chicago White Sox.
3: Doesn't shock me at all. I mean that's just that, that's the that's the modern day game. Roxy Bernstein is going to join us here in about a minute. Uh, we got Paul Himbikitis from ESPN from their morning show. Get up, not radio—that's television. And Himbo is one of the best. It's been a while since we talked to Himbo, and then we'll have the General Manager Show, David Forst. David Forst is back out on the road scouting. All the A scouts are back out on the road as they're starting to get it ready for the draft. What do we find out the draft?
2: It's a uh, 30 rounds or I think it's 20 rounds and it's happening. I want to say it's around the, uh, the it's, all-star break it's
3: after the all-star break.
2: It's the 11th through the 13th. I think it's at the all-star break, right? The 11th. The I, thought, all- I thought we asked David. He said, cause usually it's a June draft. The 11th. through So let's see my bachelor parties through the, I come back on the 12th. So the 11th through the 13th is a Sunday through the, that's a Tuesday. I think if I'm not mistaken, if that's, if I got the dates, right. I think it's July eleventh thir- through the thirteenth. Is what the, if if you're looking at the dates?
3: I'm looking for the dates. I can't. Let's see, twenty
2: twenty-one. Because I, I I thought it was July July eleventh through the thirteenth. I could be wrong.
3: God, it should be that hard to find. When the hell this is? Dra- Well, it's definitely in July.
2: (laughs) Let's see. 2021 MLB draft. I can't find a date. 2021 MLB draft. They just
3: just want to talk about players and potential draft picks.
2: Um, When is the draft? Yeah, July 11th through the 13th. So So where are they going to do it? uh, Let me call Roxy. Then I'll look and see where it is. Are they going to do it in
3: Colorado now since uh, the All-Star game is in – well, you know what? No, they wouldn't do it because they have their own – like the A's will hunker down in like a war room here at the Coliseum. You know, you send a representative, but because of COVID, are they going to – who knows how they're going to do a draft. We got Roxy Bernstein joining us from ESPN, your Oakland A's, Pac-12 Network, Touchdown Radio Network. Hi, Roxy. Hi, Uncle Townie. How are you? Well, we got a lot of good things going on right now. I mean, we, we just played the emotional audio last night. Of Chris Bassett after the game kind of breaking down into tears talking about the comeback of his career and everybody in the A's who believed in him and helped him with his comeback it it was very raw it was real and it was and it was refreshing
0: it was and and that's the personality that Chris Bassett has shown over the years he he's he's the guy that Chris that lets you that pulls back the curtain a little bit and you can get to see the person, right? He stays active on social media, um, posting pictures of him and his family. And he's just thankful for all the opportunities he's gotten. And, you know, when the A's made that trade to get him from the White Sox in that deal a number of years ago, it was just assumed like he was kind of a throw in, right? That okay. That the A's were making that deal and sending Jeff Samarja to Chicago and you get to bring Marcus Simeon in, and maybe he could be a guy, and, and Josh Fegley has shown the ability as a catcher. And, and maybe Bassett was kind of a throw-in because he had been inconsistent with the White Sox. But then, you know, getting past the injury and coming back from that, and now he's flourishing into the, one of the top pitchers in the American League. It's, it's fantastic to see.
3: You know, watching him last night, I mean, he had no hitter stuff, but you're seeing these adjustments of... Arm angle, release point, being different. And when you have one pitch and you start doing a different release point, that now becomes multiple pitches. And if you can do that with your fastball, you can do that with your breaking ball, it really kind of changes for what the hitters are seeing. You can see how tough it is. To just, I mean, he's so awkward anyway out there where he's all arms and all legs. But last night, we really got to see that new slider on display where guys are just swinging over the top of it and then also guys taking it for strike three because it's like a new pitch they really haven't seen from him.
0: Well, it can't be a fun at-bat to face Chris Bassett, especially for right-handed hitters, right? What you were alluding to, the – the gangly, unorthodox wind-up with the arms and legs going everywhere. and it's, it's funky, and it's hard to pick up the baseball. And Then on top of it, you're seeing the velocity and the command that he's got now. That's what makes it so difficult to face Chris Bassett. And the ability to throw more pitches for strikes and having three consistent pitches he was able to get over, it looked like, last night for strikes, and the deception, it just makes it so difficult to face him, and it's got to be uncomfortable when you have this big gangly right-hander coming at you like that, and the ball, it's just on you before you even know. And at, what, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, however tall Chris is, to use that to his advantage, and the consistency that he's displayed the last few years, and the drive that he gets also, the way he really drops down and drives toward the plate, It has just been a a great work in progress for him. I think you have to give a lot of credit to Scott Emerson and helping develop Bassett since he's come into the A's organization and Kurt Young before. And here's a guy that has really turned into – are we ready to label him as a bonafide ace now, Chris? Do you think he's at that status uh, after a performance like last night?
3: Uh, that, that, uh, that's a very sensitive thing for me and Cody. I'm going to be really honest with you. Okay. Uh, I I think you got to win some hardware. I think there's got to be uh fair. fair. I think there's got to be some all-star games. I think there's got to be, yeah. a, I think there's got to be a Cy Young on your mantle. I think there's gotta be postseason wins. Now if you're on a bad team, I'm not gonna fault you like Jake I'm not gonna say DeGrom's not an like ace. DeGrom. But DeGrom's an all star, right? So I think Chris Bassett's got a at thirty two years old, has a long way to go. It's like when we all wanted to label Sonny Gray an ace. I was like, Hey, let's slow down. Let us win some hardware. Let's get some let's let's get multiple all star games in there before we do that.
0: But you look at the year he had last year, right, Chris, when he put up an ERA of what was he like right around two, two, five. I think it was two, two, nine was his ERA last year in the strike in the, in the pandemic
3: shortened season. Correct. Two, two, nine.
0: Yeah. And now with him, I think taking that step forward and showing you wasn't just a one year fluke, right? That he's got the consistency now. And I think that is something with Bassett that is huge for him. The confidence you can see it and the way he's just growing as a pitcher. And he's, to me, he's emerged. Okay, I, I, I'm with you that you, you can't label him that, but he's certainly the guy, like if Bob Melvin needs one guy to sh- stop a losing streak and go out there and give you a quality start, I, I think that you would have the most confidence in Chris Bassett of the guy's in rotation right now. And that's not a slide on Shamanai who's pitched well, is going tonight. I like what I've seen so far from James Caprillian, But yes. um Chris Bassett's that dude right now, Chris. I don't think there's any argument.
3: Yeah, certainly not Jesus Osardo. Everybody wanted to label him an ace. He's got a 5.79 ERA and can't stay healthy. So uh, until I can see him get it, get out and show up yeah. every five days, uh, then I'll start to believe it. And I'll, even the guy going tonight, Shohei Otani. I mean, now obviously it's not his fault he couldn't pitch yesterday because of traffic, but he still hasn't he got, the, he got- And he got on BART going the wrong way? (laughs) I didn't know that. Did he really?
0: I have been told that that's another reason why he was so late to the ballpark last night. Not only did the traffic issue uh, curtail his arrival, but that he initially got... I I don't know if... I haven't had this confirmed, but somebody... Was close to the angels told me that he got on Bart, went the wrong way for a little while yesterday.
3: Oh my god, you got to be in panic mode at some point! Like, can you imagine you don't know where you're going? You've never been on this public transit. Uh, now, obviously, now, now they have a great one in Tokyo. Now, getting around Tokyo is pretty easy, but I can't imagine like the panic. I mean, how many people do you think were on Bart with Shohei Otane, who's 6'5, he's a big dude. And they've got no idea that they are standing next to a once-in-generation talent.
0: Look, you know, Tani probably wasn't the only one that did that, right? I got to assume there were it's a handful of teammates that were probably on the second bus. And usually the second bus is pretty sparse. We used to joke uh, when I was with the Marlins and, you know, and we, when I traveled with the A's, that bus number two is the Broadcaster Express because it's usually just, the traveling secretary, the broadcasters, and maybe the starting pitcher for that day, maybe. And they, because usually everybody hops on the first bus to get to the ballpark as early as they can, and if they got to get treatment, extra work, etc. But that second bus is usually few and far between who are on that bus. So I don't know how many people were with Otani to maybe help him that it, he did get on Bart going the wrong way, and it is a helpless feeling because painfully I'll admit this Chris I got on the subway in New York and I went the wrong way once so I it's not as easy as you might think it
3: is <laughs> well the, the problem you know when I'm talking about him being an ace the problem is he can't he pitches once every six days and when he pitches he I mean you're lucky to get five out of him well he's
0: walked so many guys this year you, you look at his walk numbers this year what he's walked 22 and, and 30 in the third inning Now, he's got 45 strikeouts, so he's striking out basically a guy guy and a half every inning. And he's only given up 16 hits, so he's only given up like one hit every two innings. But he's given up 22 walks and 30 in the third. That has to come down. You want to know why he can't stay in the game that long? Well, get your walks down. you got to throw more strikes. you got to be more consistent. And that's kind of, you know, Frankie Montas is dealing with that a little bit right now and getting his elevated pitch count. But that's plagued Otani so far this season. He's got to throw more strikes.
3: So I'm hearing you don't have Saturday game of the week, but you got the ESPN special on Memorial Day.
0: I do. The former Oakland Athletic and the pride of Pinole Valley High School. Uh, Chris Singleton and I will be at our respective home studios for the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox Monday afternoon. From where? The game will be played in Houston, but I'll be right. on the peninsula.
3: Oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> and where, and where, where, where does Singleton
0: live? Chris is in Atlanta these days. Uh, that's where he settled. He still has some family in the East Bay. and uh, But Chris has been living in Atlanta for a while now. And we'll have it's Garrett Richards, the former Angel, going for the Red Sox on Monday. At least that's the uh, scheduled pitchers for this game. And then Luis Garcia will be pitching for the Astros on Monday.
3: I mean, obviously, I hate the Astros. I hate the Red Sox too. That's kind of a you know, can they both lose <laughs> at the same time, Roxy?
0: Could it could it be like the old like before they brought in the, the shootouts in hockey, where they they tie and each yeah. team gets a point? Yeah, you know, no nobody walks away with the with with the two points. I
3: I I any, anything but the, the, the Astros getting a victory. I mean, it's just. They, they just absolutely fry me. You know, when, when are you going to get back on the road? That's a very good question, Chris. I'd, I, I got some indication
0: from ESPN that it could happen as soon as July. Um, a significant step, I think, in that process is um, they made us uh, fill out this. Well, they sent this online form that we had to send back in basically a checkoff that they want to make sure that we have been vaccinated before we travel. And I believe they're making it mandatory. And, you know, I've had my two Moderna shots, so I'm good to go. So I'm not worried about it, but I think that's a step in the right direction that, okay, they're making sure of this, that, you know, the liability certainly will go down if that's the case um, and the risk goes down. And that was the indication I had is maybe, Right before the All Star break, sometime in early July, we may be back on the road.
3: All right, let's end on this. We've been having the discussion. It's been heated. You can pick one guy from the A's to go to the All Star game. Ooh. Who would you select? I I I'm backing I okay, you know what? I'm not gonna tell you yet who I'm backing.
0: Okay. But it'll be near and, um, it'll
3: be near and dear to your heart.
0: You're backing Mark Canna, aren't you? You're saying near and dear to my heart.
3: Mark Canna in the last seven games is hitting .435 with a nine fifty seven OPS, three home runs, seven runs scored. That's the last seven. Uh, Cody, where is he, Run scored in the league? Is he, is he leading the league?
2: Yeah, he leads the league in runs scored. For a
3: leadoff hitter, but I'll give the floor to you, Roxy.
0: I'm just going to take somebody else just – because, just for the sake of conversation, Chris, not saying I disagree with you that Mark Canna's not deserving because I think he's having a phenomenal year, and there's no bigger fan of Mark Canna than me, just uh, the connection to Cal, and he's a Bay Area kid also. But isn't it about time Matt Olson went? And the production that he's had so far, driving in 30 runs, he's got 13 bombs already, but the defense alone as well. That I think it's time that Matt Olson got recognized by everybody else around baseball for being one of the best first baseman in the game.
3: For that reason,
0: I'm I, I'm putting stock in Matt Olson for the All Star. How's that?
3: Well, you just buckled Commander Cody's knees like a Clayton Kershaw 12-6 curveball. He 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 was for sure. Cody, you thought he was going I where?
2: I thought you're going Ramon Laureano. That's wow. who that's who I went with. Martin Gaia goes with him. I thought you were going to go with, with Ramon.
3: I have no
0: argument for that one either. I'm just saying, and look, I don't know if there's a more exciting player in baseball to watch, to be honest with you. There's a lot of great players. Look, Tatis is, is exciting to watch. You go down the list, right? When Cody Bellinger's healthy for the Dodgers. Um, there's a lot of fantastic players. Alex Bregman, you want to go on and on with some of these great players in the game right now. But I don't know. If anybody's more exciting to watch in baseball than Ramon Laureano, his ability to throw people out from center field. Some of the amazing catches that he's made, the dramatics that he's been able to pull off recently, uh, driving in game winning runs that one game recently where he went up above the wall to bring the home run back and then Homer to win it. Uh, There, there isn't a more exciting player in baseball. And look, You and I get to go to the ballpark for free. It's our job. But Ramon Laureano is a guy I would pay to go watch play every day. I think he's that fun and that dynamic of a player to watch. And I think he's worth – he alone is worth the price of admission to come out to the ballgame.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Memorial Day here on ESPN Radio, as this is the national broadcast of the Boston Red Sox against the Houston Astros from Houston, and I'm Roxy Bernstein from the Peninsula in California, <laughs> off the 280, <laughs> and Chris hey, Singleton have, from hot I Atlanta, I Georgia. the
0: Red Sox and the Yankees from the Peninsula last week, so <laughs> nothing says Major League Baseball, then... At Highway
3: 280. <laughs> Nippero Sarah pointing at you? He's not, he's not far from my house. Oh, my God. You know what's been nice about the pandemic is I've been off 280, 101, 880. I mean, I, I, I can't I, – you know, I've been a commuter all these years. To not drive that right. much has been so refreshing. Oh, it's funny. Like, well, early
0: on, especially when nobody was going anywhere – I went to the gas station, I think like once a month, (laughs) if that, you know, because I just wasn't driving anywhere. The only place I would drive is I'd go to the store to go shopping, go to the grocery store, or I'd grab takeout. That's like the only places I was going in my car, right? For like two or three months, I was walking everywhere. Um, Occasionally I'd run the errand if I had to go to the store, but that's it. So like, it was like once a month I was going to put gas in my car.
3: Well, great stuff as always. Have a good weekend. Have a good call. And we'll talk to you next Friday. Sounds good, Tony. See you. Roxy Bernstein. That's going to be a good series. Red Sox, Astros. As we said, when, when, are, when are the Houston Astros going to start playing people outside of the West?
2: Yeah, and they get Frember Valdez back tonight, by the way. So he's debuting, making his season debut in that wicked curveball of his. He's debuting tonight against uh, – who are they playing? Um, I forget who they're playing tonight now. Uh, they move Christian Javier to the bullpen. So, their number – their their, their, one of their best pitchers is moving to the bullpen and they get Framber Valdez in the rotation. I don't understand that move, but, you know, Dusty wants to put him in the rotation – or wants to put him in the bullpen, fine. They get Framber Valdez and then Jaco Odorizzi is going to be back too. So, they're getting some guys back in the rotation. They're uh,
3: playing the Padres.
2: Ah, uh, so. They got the Madres down in uh, down in Houston. So, Nando is going to be down in uh, in Houston, huh? Nando and the boys. Slam Diego. Houston's favored. Interesting. Well, who's pitching for the Padres tonight? Lamette. Ooh, that's a good pitching match. Danelson Lumet. 1-0 with a
3: 1.64 ERA against Valdez, who's got nothing, making his debut. debut.
2: That's a good pitching matchup. Those are two guys that a lot of people like. Lamette, I think he's coming off injury too. Okay, uh, big news,
3: Giancarlo Stanton is coming off the I.L. <coughs> for a uh, week. Uh, how long is that going to last?
2: Well, the, I don't know if you saw the Yankees put uh, Luke Voigt on the I.L. and Corey Kluber, no, no, another injury for a no-hitter. Shocker. Yeah, remember what happened to Johan Santana? His career ended after that no-hitter at the Mets.
3: Shocker. By the way, a note that you saw in the in the notes as I was pulling up is that the A's are 18 and 7 against teams that are currently under 500 which is the third best record in that category trailing only the Padres and the Dodgers and oh by the way Padres and the Dodgers are two of the best teams as the Padres have 32 wins
2: and the Dodgers have thirty-one. Dodgers are, Dodgers are playing the Giants. They've, um, <clears throat> they they look, they look unbeatable versus the Giants right now. <laughs> uh, they beat them again last night. I think they've won four in a row versus the Giants. They swept them last weekend and then won last night. So only two teams with thirty-two wins: Padres and the Reds. No, the Rays. Your Rays. The American League East leading Rays. You all said they were done. Very oh, fire all, cashy.
3: You had the Dodgers being done. You had Tampa being
2: done. De- trade everyone away. Start over. Bring Lou Pinella back. <laughs>
1: Lou Pinella,
2: <laughs> And here they are back. and They still can't hit. I mean, their, their offense still isn't that great. Brandon Lowe's still hitting under 200, I think. But uh, their pitching starting to come together. They're playing well. The Yankees are in third place in that division. Third place for the Yankees. And the Baby Jays, I mean, in fourth. Marcus Simeon's having a great – I mean, he's he's having a great year for them, him and Vlad Jr. There's a long way
3: to go. I mean, and, and, and you know once Toronto gets to Buffalo, it's a whole
2: different ball game. Yeah, well, it's going to be next week. Two, I mean, that's going to be Tuesday. They know that yard. It's Tuesday. Can
3: you imagine that?
2: They might be – well, they won't be, they'll be the second-best team because the Mets – oh, the Mets are playing better now too, although they have 16 guys on the injured list, 17 now that – Nova Sindergard is gonna be out for six weeks.
3: Did they say? Did they? How's his elbow? Six weeks. No, but how did they? They had an X-ray it or MRI yeah, yeah. or whatever they do.
2: Yeah, they shut him down for six weeks. So there's no structural damage. No, this they're stopping. So
3: see, that's another that you talk about when we mentioned Chris Bassett or recently Kendall Graveman, who was the A's reliever who threw really hard. He wasn't a big right-hander. And he just never could come back from it. He was never the same. This was years ago. I mean, at some point, all these years start running together. Um, Joey Devine? Does that sound right? Yeah, that's
2: yeah, that rings a bell. I
3: think Joey Joey Devine had Tommy John and never really. I don't think he had much of much of a career. It's just it's once you get cut on, there's no guarantees. I mean, that's the bottom line.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, there's so many guys anymore that I mean, Tommy John's is such a common surgery. It's like the, tearing your ACL anymore. I mean, so many guys have it have had, you know have had it done. It's just it. But with Syndergaard, like, look, at, there's two parallels you can have. Like him and Kersell have had it like identical times. Kersell, the, the Red Sox are taking it so slow with him. Like, oh, you know, come back whenever you want. We'll get you back in there, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. We'll take our time with you. The Mets, are like, hey. Ramp up! We need you back, man. We're, we're, we want to win a World Series. He was thrown like ninety-eight in March. He had the surgery like not, in, in the summer last year. And he thrown ninety-eight in the middle of March, and here we are. He's set back six six weeks.
3: So yeah, Joey Devine had not one, but he had two. No, yeah, he's one of those rare guys. That so April tenth, twenty twelve, he underwent a second Tommy John. Was placed on the disabled list, and does not play again. And I remember talking about him in the post game show because his last year with uh, with the A's was two thousand and eleven. We need to get to himbo. All right, earlier today. If you watch ESPN and you watch it in the morning and you watch Mike Greenberg and get up, you see himbo on the television. Himbo is one of the best right hand men, not better than you, but one of the best right hand men. You hear him on also Buster Only's podcast, Baseball Tonight. Himbo is the best in the business, and we love when we're able to get him. Paul himbakiti's from ESPN. Well, now joining us is the famous Himbo, my Traeger brother. Himbo, how hey. are you?
4: It is good to hear your voice, my friend. I did, a, I did a Thursday smoke, which is somewhat rare around here. I did a nice uh, pork shoulder. Uh, yesterday. it's I got half of it sitting in the fridge still, but I I filled my, my stomach to the brim last night with that delicious goodness. I think that's the first recipe that I can say that I have truly perfected.
3: Yeah, people don't realize how good pork comes out of a tree. Mm.
4: Yeah, that like pork is so easy to get wrong, and people are so used to eating it so dry that when you actually taste it, like as God conceived it to be tasted, uh, it's, it opens up a whole new world. I, I do it like uh, at least a couple times a month now. My life, my wife likes to throw it on nachos. We do tacos. you do sandwiches. Yeah. It, uh, it, it, it's Yeah, all the way around, kid, all the way around. All right.
3: Uh, MLB.com came out with an article today talking about certain players would be great fits. I did not mm. see this one coming because I've seen Trevor's story to the A's, but it's going to be a little pricey to get him. But they had Nelson Cruz coming to the Oakland A's. What do you think about mm.
4: that? Well, my my initial reaction is we're already, uh, I guess, selling off on the Twins, which I think is, I guess, a bit premature. But if you're speculating out to the trade deadline, I suppose it's um, very much on the list of options, considering they started so badly, at least in relation to what we might have expected. About Nelson Cruz, um, I'd say this, like he's a a player who, so long as he's um, healthy – that bat is all like that bat is always going to be live. He's the kind of guy at 50 years old is going to be hitting bombs at the at the old timers games, and who knows, he actually might be 50 right now. Uh, and secondly, that power is so prolific; it's so it'll play in any bar, ballpark in the country. So you know better than anybody. But if you're going to sign up a power hitter and trade for a power hitter to come play in Oakland for a couple months, like you need someone with that legit big raw power, right? Like, no cheapies for that guy. So I, I, I imagine him. Um, you know, smoking homers to left center field in, at your at your ballpark. But I have to say, I, and I've done this uh, quite a bit here, talking on the East Coast, because you may may or may not have known, we do a lot of Yankees conversation here. Uh, you know, from our south. No. Yeah, oh, yeah, really. Yeah, breaking news. Okay, yeah, yeah. Put it on the bottom line. We do a lot of Yankees here uh, at ESPN. But this is what I've been operating under the assumption of. I think it's going to be wiser for for not necessarily every team, but for most teams in contention. to to pursue pitching at the trade deadline. And the reason for it, and I'm going back here to 1968, that year, the two best pitching teams in the league were the Tigers and the Cardinals. Those teams, not so coincidentally, met in the World Series. Right now, the run scoring environment is so suppressed that we're going back to 1968, the year of the pitcher, to really find historical context. So I am of the opinion that you are better off loading up on arms and trying to essentially lean into the uh, suppressed run scoring environment, lean into the fact that scoring it as, as an all-time low, and it is harder now to get a hit than ever before. And thus teams should be first pursuing pitching at the trade deadline. If they swing and miss in that respect, then you have, you, you go after the Nelson Cruises of the world. What do you think? To me, I, I think if you're a club in need of a piece, you first identify a starting pitcher that you want, or a couple of bullpen arms, and you go from there.
3: I think no question. I that. That's what we see at the trading deadline. It's an arms race and with starters not going deep. And especially in the postseason with the quick hook, you've got to have a power bullpen guys coming in and striking people out. And we don't necessarily have that. So I think we'll end up. Give you a name. Well, hopefully Trevor Rosenthal comes back and then that gives us a bigger name for you. All right. Give me a name.
4: I got, I got a bigger name for you. This will sound like a pipe dream, but you guys have done big things before at the trade deadline. Max. Scherzer, Max Scherzer would look awfully good, awfully good in green and gold. Look, it might again. I'm coming, from, I'm coming from New York here, so may, maybe this is um, unrealistic in your world. But you can pay the salary for a couple months. You know he can show for the last couple months of the season. You can ride him out the way that the Brewers rode CC Sabathia in his contract year. He's got the big game experience. He's a fly ball pitcher, which plays in your ballpark with your outfielders. I love, love the idea of Max Scherzer finishing the season with the Oakland A's.
3: If Max Scherzer ends up in the green and gold wearing white cleats, I will mm. buy – and even though he's only going to be here for a couple months, I will buy you uh, an Oakland A's jersey with Scherzer on the back of it.
4: And I'll, and I'll wear on the set of Get Up. I promise you that. Here, t- t- take my advice here to the, to the Oakland A's brilliant marketing team. The first, look, look, my wallpaper, on, on my computer, that splash page – I want to see Max Scherzer's, like, intimidating face with one eye green and one eye gold. What do you think? Oh, God,
3: it sounds so good. Sign me up. Let's uh, go. It would be incredible. That would finally give us that ace that we've always lacked for the postseason.
4: I think that's the thing. Like, you, he's the guy who every fifth day you trust to get 21 outs for you. Like, I think the, you guys have done an outstanding job of stockpiling pitchers for whom you trust to get 15. But in the playoffs, especially this year, you're going to need at least one frontman. You're going to need at least one, one. Look, the Nationals are unlikely to re-sign him, right? He's pitching out of his mind right now. There's obviously going to be plenty of interest at the deadline, but to me, like, that just makes all the sense in the world. And at a time when going for it in terms of winning your division is actually a real possibility here for you guys, whereas in the past you've gotten, you know, stuck in the wild card game situation. Like, to me, he's the kind of guy that makes more of a difference than someone like Nelson Cruz, even if Nelson Cruz gives you a couple, like, two good months.
3: All right, when we were kids and we would play the game pickle, there would always be one guy that was really tough to deal with and he'd make you screw up. It, that That's what that other day with the Cubs and the Pirates, that's what made me think of. Like like back in the day, that one really fast kid, because I wasn't that fast kid. Uh, take me through that historic play.
4: Um, I, I mean, to call it historic, my friend, would be a massive understatement. It is legitimately – I'm, I'm going to – I'm going to tangent here, so just you, always, you have to stop my momentum at some point, because this, this is my favorite thing in the world. This is the worst play in the history of sports. And I'm not willing to give – I'm not using hyperbole. It is the worst play in the history of sports, and I'll tell you why. First of all, I'm not willing to give Javi Baez extra credit. Like, sure, he, he created the circumstance, but, like, to me, this is much more an indictment on the Pittsburgh Pirates. And here's, here's my, here's where I'm coming from and calling it the worst play ever. It is literally like, if you had to know one rule in baseball, one, it would be this. Like, you don't even have to have played baseball to know this rule. Have you ever played kickball in school? It's the only rule you have to know. Like there is no cross sport equivalent. Everyone in America knows that, that, the, the how the force play works at, four, at first base, every single person. And Chris, Three different members of the Pittsburgh Pirates got it wrong on the same play. The first baseman charges, the catcher makes a tag, the second baseman not covering an unoccupied first base, and the catcher has to hit him on a slant route to get there. He the most thing, look the most absurd thing about the whole thing to me. The most absurd thing is after Wilson Contreras slides in temporarily safely at home hobby Baez is still 85 feet from the run counting and he winds up at second it's unfa- it is the it is it is the worst play in the history of sports it's worse than Merkel's boner it's worse than J.R. Smith getting uh forgetting the score in the NBA finals it's worse than Leon Lett it's worse than throwing a touchdown uh in the wrong end zone it's the worst play of all time because it's the most basic and well-known rule in all of sports that's what I think
3: it it, it it was hilarious. I mean, it really – and the fact that this is not a high school game, this is in Major League Baseball, is exactly. so highly I, embarrassing.
4: I've baseball for years. Like, if my first baseman, he's 12, did this, you'd yank him out of the game. Three <laughs> different pirates – I'm not kidding. Three different pirates didn't know the rule. And after the game, bless his heart. Pirates manager Derek Shelton. First of all, can there be a worse job than Pirates manager? But Derek Shelton goes, you know, our guys should really know the rule. That's on me. That's on me, Mr. Shelton. With all due respect, this has been the rule since 1854. 1854. This has been in effect. That was the year they regulated the baseball. It's as old as the baseball. I, I, we're underselling this. This is one of the most significant. <laughs> this is one of the most significant plays in the history of sports. A hundred years from now. Your great-grandchildren will watch this on some sort of uh, visual portal in God know, on Mars or something, and we'll be talking about it as such. It I've never seen anything like it, and Greeny asked me, like, could this possibly be topped? The answer is no. I could not conceive the possibility that could be topped, because it's not just that this idiot runs the ball all the way back and also throws it for some reason. It's that two of his teammates also got it wrong. It's un. It's unbelievable. I just now I'm just blowing air into the wind. I could, I've watched it a hundred times and I broke down on television today laughing so hard because it just tickles me so much. All right. If your 12 year old first
3: baseman did this and you yanked mm. him out of the game, would you deny him orange slices after the game? <laughs> uh, absolutely. Dude
4: only re- he's a big league first baseman how, how, it is impossible it is this is impossible orange slices he's never playing for me again like if you don't know this rule and you're and you're playing first base what on earth are you doing like greenie Green was like well maybe it's more important to know the count or the number of outs in an inning and i told him like the umpire can always remind you of that like this is the one rule in sports like this is worse than orlowski running out of the back of the end zone it's the worst thing that i've ever seen in my life I am so tickled by this, and also flummoxed by the fact that people are giving Javi Baez, like, I guess I suppose the fact that it is biased makes it slightly better because he's known for you know his sort of flair and, and, and running the bases and all that stuff. But to me, like my biggest takeaway here was absolutely not that. My biggest takeaway is here is that three members of the of a major league baseball like these guys should be banned for life. Like this is worse than cheating in the World Series. Like, I've never I have never seen anything like this at any level of baseball. Any it is it is. It, is impossible. That's what makes it so rare. Like I said, I coached youth baseball for years. No one has ever not known that, they got, dude, they got into a rundown between home plate and first base. Like that's not, that's not, like, that is literally, that's not a thing. It's, it's, that's, what, it just, it was so extraordinary as, as, as a lover of baseball like you are too. Like, I just figured you get such a kick out of it. But like, it was, all the way up until the point where the first base then throws the ball like a little shot put to the catcher. It is just, too, it's just too good to be true I've I watched it a hundred times and I'll probably watch it a hundred more
3: So uh, we were talking to Enotheris about substances on the baseball right starting with sunscreen and you put the rosin bag but this spider tack is the new thing and Got so it. we're talking about how spider tack improves your spin rate by so much and we're like well what is this stuff so we went on Amazon and and found out you can get a jar of it for like fifteen dollars. So this, subject, <laughs> it's basically for people who lay stone, and it's hard to believe a product that costs fifteen dollars on Amazon, and if you're a Prime member, it'll be here tomorrow. Is changing baseball.
4: <laughs> nah, it's crazy. The you know has has detailed this in some of his pieces, but as you know, the the, the spin rates across the board, across every pitch, are are breaking records as far as as far back as as. We, at least we have that data recorded. Um, I, here's here's what I would analogize uh, for you. Tell me if, if even this is if this works or not. I think Major League Baseball should use should should view foreign substances the way that states now view marijuana. And, and here's what I mean: if you legalize it, you can regulate it. But if you don't, it becomes the Wild West, and you know pitchers are going to use it, just like you know kids are going to smoke weed. So what you should do is. Some some sort of what you need to do is create some sort of agreement between the union and the and the commissioner's office in which certain substances are approved before a season or before a game or before a series or whatever the case may be. And those have to there has to be some sort of you know approval process just as just as you would um, you know the, the field of play the height of the mound the the composition of the baseball whatever. And those things um, are approved in advance and thus regulated and thus can be used any deviation from that there has to be a stiff penalty but right now the way that this is going in baseball is just ridiculous it's, it's, it's become something of a mockery because it's like it's like steroids on steroids like everyone knows everyone's using it but no one's afraid to say anything because all their pitchers are benefiting from it too but at some point if i'm a hitter like i'm thinking to myself this kills me like not only are these pitchers way more effective but theoretically the one of the side effects that should help me is that hip batsmen should be way down right because at least they can control their pitches now but hit batsmen are on pace to be a record too so what exactly am i getting out of this that's that's, that's sort of where I'm coming from. So I say do it like marijuana. Legalize it so you can regulate it.
3: So, or how about you as Major League Baseball create something that everybody can use and everybody agrees upon, okay, we're going to use this. And then you know what that substance is. And if you want to test baseballs and find out that there's something different than what you're giving to the teams. Then you know they're using something different, and then you can actually mm. go out and penalize people.
4: Yeah, that, that, that's a that's a good way of of viewing it too. I mean, if they would, yes, yeah, so I think that's good. I mean, either they provide the substances that are approved, or there's a pre-approved list, the way that there are you know certain drugs that players use for uh for, for various health purposes, strength, uh, recovery, etc. Like that, to me, that that's really the only way to do it because what you I mean, baseball has a long history, story, history of of, of things like this. But now the reason this has become such a thing in my mind is that it's so hard to get a hit. And at least in part is because pitchers are uh, shoving in ways they never have before. And it's just, it's just not natural. You can't, you can't be having games in which the average number of hits is 15. That's where we are right now. So whatever baseball can do to start, you know, uh, I guess, bending that curve, if you will, they should. And I guess the best way that I could like, – I, I like your idea. Either you create the substances yourself. Through some sort of approval process, even though <laughs> Major League Baseball hasn't done a very good job with their own baseballs in doing that, or you create a list of things that that you're willing to approve and and, and look past, or um, that all pitchers can use uh, without people raising an eyebrow.
3: Yeah, 15 hits. We had 12 last night. I mean, it's it really, yeah. it really is unbelievable. And you know what? You know what's crazy too. And mm-hmm. I actually asked our general manager David Forrest, about this. That we're the only sport that our equipment is not regulated. Every other mm. sport from golf to tennis to to hockey to NFL to NBA the equipment is regulated. Like we don't even know what ball we're using the, the bats are changing the bats are getting harder. I mean we're we're the we're the only sport to where it, it's still a wild wild west.
4: Yeah, I, it's one thing for players to try to gain advantages with various things they try and do off the field. The forward substance is a good example. Maybe you try to find ways around the, the drug testing program. It's another thing if not all the baseballs look and feel the same. It's another thing. Like those that's the kind of thing that Major League Baseball just can't afford to become a thing with all the problems that are sort of going on in the game to begin with. Like to me those seem at least you know, based on my uh untrained knowledge of the circumstance, are things that they can pretty easily regulate and pretty easily come down on. So I, I I like where you're coming from because what it, what it essentially then does is create an uneven playing field based on things that shouldn't exist. Like if you have a, an intern who's a speci- who specialized in God knows what that happens to come across a product like this that your team gets a hold of two months before anybody else, like, are we really comfortable with that making a tangible impact on the pennant race? Like to me, absolutely not. We want, we want these players to have as even a playing field as possible. So while I don't view these foreign substances on the same level of steroids for all the obvious reasons, I do think any time that we're creating an imbalance in our game, in which the ecosystem becomes off based upon things that aren't happening between the lines, we should address it. And there's no obvious reason to me in the 21st century of all, of all times that we can't get that kind of stuff right. Like we have, I mean, like Elon Musk can put, a, can put like a Tesla on Venus if he wants to in three days, but we can't figure out like who has bullfrog on their arms. Like I don't, I don't understand why we're choosing not to pick this fight, which would seemingly be a fairly easy one.
3: Shohei Otani is going to do something in Oakland that a lot of us have never seen. Now, if you've been an Angel fan, you've seen this before this year. But watching a guy pitch in a game, and then when he comes out, he's going to go to 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 the outfielders, or he's going to go to the DH, and he's going to start hitting. I think it's absolutely amazing. I can't wait to see it tonight.
4: Yeah, it's the coolest story in baseball right now, aside from the fact that the, uh, the Pirates should likely be relegated because of what happened yesterday. Um, Shohei Otani, um, I, I think the so – when we talk about this on the national radio show, I always like to reinforce to our audience, like what he is doing is so absurd that it almost defies description. And here's what I mean. You play college ball, just like I, I play college ball. And you know as well, as well as I do that very few players are fortunate enough or talented enough to convince their co- their coaches or managers in college to let them play both ways. And we're talking about like division one and two baseball in the United States, several rungs away from the big leagues, of course. Shohei Ohtani isn't just like passable at each of these things. Shohei Ohtani on any given day can be the best pitcher and be the best hitter in baseball. That's not hyperbole. He has absurd raw power. He's running the bases like crazy. Obviously when he's, when he's right, um, he's firing bullets at 97, 98 miles an hour with a, just a nasty arsenal of, of, of breaking pitches too. Like it's completely unheard of. Even Babe Bruce said himself a hundred years ago, that's not possible to sustain this over the course of a, a season or two. Like Babe Bruce didn't think so, like of all people. So for him to be doing this, to me is the best story in baseball. It's just complete organizational malfeasance on the part of the Angels that they can't build a, a competitive team. Um, I, I think if Otani plays, like I guess a representative amount of games, he's going to have a real chance some of the most valuable player of the American League, especially now that Mike Trout is is uh, on the injured list. But it's the best story in baseball. And I don't think you can um understate how extraordinary it is considering, like you know as well as I do, like kids in high school and even college up through the ranks, like by the time you get to the minor leagues, no one is doing this. It's and, and to be that good at it on both ends, Um, like I had a buddy that texted me and asked, Is he a a one of one, which is becoming a you know a popular way of asking? Is 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 this person? Is this a singular talent? And when I said, I said no, he is one of none. He is one of never. Like this is this is likely the last time you will ever see anything like it. So any any game that he plays that that you miss, you're you're missing out on on uh, seeing history and something that you likely never will again.
3: What do you got for the weekend? Memorial Day.
4: More so, really bad weather weekend here in New Jersey. Uh, 50s and rainy and all that stuff. I got, got my sisters and and a cousin coming up. We're gonna, you know, head over to the yacht club and maybe have a cocktail or two tomorrow. Take a boat ride if the weather permits. Right now, I don't have anything on the on the Traeger menu because the weather is not so good. I hope that you will have better luck than I do.
3: Oh yeah, I just have I, I got two games against the Angels and we got a full day mm-hmm. of golf on
4: Memorial Day because
3: it's gonna be like 72 degrees.
4: Have a day. Uh, by the way, how, how, how upset are you guys that, that Otani got a start push? Or are you guys looking forward to just having the chance to watch him?
3: Well, it, at, at first, we were worried that he got hurt, right? When all of a sudden it right. breaks, that he's not pitching, you're like, you know, because we're not rooting for him. We hate the Angels, but he is such a special, yeah. he's a once in a lifetime talent. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, oh no, is he hurt? And then we find out that three lanes on the Bay Bridge were closed and they couldn't get across. So they had to take part. <laughs> Can you imagine how many people rode next to Shohei Ohtani on BART yesterday, which is basically a version of the New York subway, and have no clue who he is?
4: That's no, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> it was, it was, we, we did the story on the radio today. It's so bizarre. I guess it's it's crazy to think that that kind of thing could even happen in 2021. But I guess you're not you know you're not flying the whole team in a helicopter everywhere you go. So I, I, I guess it was bound to happen at some point. That's why they call that. That that LA MLS rivalry, El Trafico, right?
3: Yeah. Uh Mickey, Mor- Mickey Morabito. Mickey Moribito, he said years ago in New York it was so bad he made the bus driver pull over and the and the A's end up getting on the subway going to Yankee Stadium. This was like in the eighties uh, at this
4: point. That's that's that is a legendary story. That's awesome. I I'm gonna have to go um Backfill the times a little bit and see if I can find that piece for you. That's that's that is awesome. That is very very. I mean the I mean the best thing is what you got to do is you got to clean up. You have to you have to be in full uniform. And then people asking are you are you actually the Oakland A's? Like no 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 we're just we're just dressed up as the Oakland A's right. That's that's <laughs> that's the answer. But that's hilarious. It, hark- it harkens back to the um the Mel Ott story. Mel Ott comes up from Louisiana. Uh, meets tries to meet John McGraw. He gets lost on the subway. Makes, makes it to the polo ground. You know, way late. He's 18 years old, coming from the Bayou. Um, but the, the idea of, of the entire club being on the subway at <laughs> uh, five o'clock in the is absolutely ridiculous.
3: All right, Himbo, have a great weekend. Thanks, buddy. And we'll talk soon. Later, boys. I uh, love having him on the program. Paul Hemikides from ESPN. Coming up next, it's the Davis, the David Force Show. Right here on Ace Cast Live.
5: Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And
1: the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line.
3: And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24 7 destination for Ace Baseball. There has been a move today. Ramin Goodwan has been uh, put on the 10 day IL, not DL. And Jordan Weems has been called up from AAA Las Vegas. A.J. Puck reinstated from the I.L. an option to Las Vegas. Some little A's news right there. Shohei Ohtani, what we found out yesterday from Mark Gubaza, who you'll hear in A's Total Access, is Ohtani will pitch, and then when he comes out, He'll either go to the outfield or he'll DH. Never seen anything like that before. Earlier today, we were able to catch up with David Forrest on the road as he's out scouting, getting ready for the June, or used to be June. It's now the July amateur draft. Here's the GM of your Oakland Athletics, David Forrest. It's Friday. That means it's time for the General Manager Show with David Forrest here on A's Cast Live. David, I want to say what a great strategy you and the ball club had yesterday. Cause a bunch of traffic on the Bay Bridge. Angels can't get over. So when they finally do get there, they're a little disheveled. And Chris Bassett just mows them down.
5: I would really like to take credit for that, Chris. But <laughs> um, and, and look, it did it did result in a W, which we will take. Um, It also ended up with like Otani DHing and still pitching against us, so I'm not sure we accomplished everything we were hoping to by setting that up on the bridge.
3: I, I mean, have you ever heard much? I mean, I, I can see it happening in New York. I think there's, you know, like Chicago. Like it doesn't surprise me that you know the bus leaves and all of a sudden there's a major traffic and and you're trying to deal with the bridge. I, have you ever heard of this no, happening? It's not-
5: it's not surprising. I can think of one or two other times where um teams have been delayed. I mean, it's funny, you know, back in you know, back in pre pandemic times, team the team buses were leaving at like noon and one for a seven o'clock game. So they actually had some, some wiggle room. Now with the clubhouses not even opening until five hours prior to the game, everything is pushed back and you kinda you lose some of that uh that margin. So um, yeah, it, it's a little surprising with all the teams staying in the city that it doesn't happen more. But sounded like it was a perfect storm yesterday to uh, keep the Angels bus from getting here on time.
3: You know, I didn't even think about that. The fact that uh, the COVID rules don't allow you to show up as early as they normally would. that Now that actually makes uh, a little more sense. How funny is it, though? You probably had these people standing next to Shohei Ohtani on BART and they have no idea that they're standing next to a, a guy that has talent like we've never seen. He's like a once in a generation player.
5: How how can you not know though? He's not a small guy. He's, no. he's uh he's not super inconspicuous. I'm a little disappointed in Bay Area Twitter that uh we haven't seen any pictures of of Shohei holding a holding a handrail standing on uh on the Fremont line, but maybe they're out there somewhere. Who knows?
3: Last night, Chris Bassett was absolutely fabulous. A complete game shutout, the first of his career. And we're starting to notice a change in Chris where there's different arm angles, different release points. Uh, that slider that he recently developed, he's getting so much control over it. He had a couple strikeouts looking. he, it's very obvious right now and speak to this hitters are not seeing him well and his stuff is the best we've ever seen
5: there there are just too many weapons right now for hitters to be comfortable and and you know that that ultimately is what leads to to guys like Chris kind of taking that leap a little bit and, and you you mentioned the slider <clears throat> excuse me he's always had that big slow curveball that he can drop in there for a strike and then uh, I think we saw it as late as the seventh and eighth inning last night. He humps up to 96. Um, but, you know, the pitch that stands out for me last night is uh, the two seamer that he, he threw on the inside corner to show for, for a called strike three, locked him up. Um, when you have the ability to move the ball that direction and then go the other way with the breaking balls and, and then just flat out throw a four seamer at the top of the zone at 96. I mean, he has, and, and had last night all of his weapons, and that's that's how you end up with the first complete game in, in two years by our staff.
3: When you made the trade with the Yankees with Sonny Gray, and James Caprelian was one of the guys coming over. What were your expectations, and what have you, and what had you seen a, of James Capprellian, and what were the projections?
5: Well, we thought we were getting uh, you know a middle of the first round starting pitcher. Yeah, you know, James had been drafted highly. We'd seen him at UCLA. Obviously had already had injury issues, but we had every reason to believe he you know that he was gonna get over that rehab and you know and be the, the projected middle of the rotation guy that, that everybody saw in college. And and you know, we all know there have been more more bumps and obstacles along the way and more rehab than, than James or anybody wanted, but um, but when we made that trade uh, he was not he was not a small part of it.
3: well the thing that uh, watching him pitch in three straight games and watching him get out of jams and watching him attack the strike zone we had him on the program and he talked about keeping his pitch count down he talked about using uh, utilizing that fastball inside the zone and utilizing the great defense behind him. I mean the way he has thrown the ball if he keeps throwing the ball like this, the only time he's ever going back to Vegas is for vacation.
5: <laughs> well, you, I mean, Bob said it the other day. He said, you know, you, you make your own opportunities here. And particularly when you're in a position like James, where he, it's taken so long and he's he had to fight through rehab. And then, you know, ultimately on, only gets an opportunity because Jesus is is injured and there's, you know, and there's a rotation spot that just happens to come open uh when you come up in that spot and, and you pitch the way he does you you force everybody's hand to keep you there and uh and you keep pitching that way and you keep holding on to that opportunity
3: are you projecting that Jesus cesardo when he comes back crosses cross our fingers knock on wood that he'll start out in the bullpen
5: i think we we need to to sit down with with bob and emo and and you know, and check in with Jesus and figure that out. Right now, I think we look. We want him back sooner rather than later, and we all know that the process of of getting guys stretched out to start is a long one. So I, I think Bob mentioned publicly the other day that you know there's there's always an opportunity to stretch him out as we go if if he's here sooner than that. So I think we're keeping that option open, but uh, but that's something we're going to talk about today and tomorrow and try and figure out as soon
3: as we can. Well, the thing about it, David, that, you know, covering baseball all these years, you know, the middleman was always looked at as a failed starter, and he wasn't very good, and he just had to give you some innings if your starter got knocked out early. But now with pitchers going less and less innings, this guy that can come in in the fifth, sixth, seventh, and give you multiple innings he just seems so valuable. Talk about the value of having a quality guy like that for the middle of the game with some high leverage innings.
5: Yeah, I think you have to look at, at the bullpen and the pitching staff as a whole a lot differently than, than we once did, you know, five, ten years ago. Um, and, and certainly with, with a 13-man staff, with, with starting pitchers, like you said, maybe, maybe not going deep. Uh, which is, you know, ironic to talk about on the eve of, of Bassett <laughs> pitching a complete game, but, but yeah, the reality is is that you know five six innings is is more than norm, and, and you do have to to bridge that gap to to the back end of the pen. Now, in, in the case of someone like Jesus, it's it's interesting to think about him, you know, in a couple different ways as as you know middle relief bridging that gap, but also potentially pitching at the back end if we choose to have him in the bullpen. Um, but, he, but but what it does more than anything is that it just sort of opens up opportunities for for the rest of the pen and, and for Bob to be creative with how he uses guys. Anytime you know, anytime you keep adding adding options in the bullpen, and, and we've we've seen it um, we've seen it over the years with with the guys we've added. You know, as soon as you add a petite, or as soon as you add um, you know, even bringing up a guy like Cam Bedrosian who can do a couple different things. So it's just important to, to be flexible, not get locked into to the same roles out there and give, give Bob an email options every night.
3: You know, when I think of the two way player, I mean, wow. If a guy can really do it year in and year out, the flexibility that would give you with your roster. And, you know, Mark Kotze, I, I played against Kotze in college and I got to tell you, he wore us out. I mean, he's, the, yeah. he, he's arguably the greatest college baseball player of all time. I mean, the guy's hitting over 400 He'd go like four for five off you, David. Then he'd come in the ninth inning blowing 96, 97, and it was ball game over. I do believe, and I've asked Mark, and he thinks he could have given it a shot. I, I do believe someone like Mark, Mark Kotze could have done something like this. But now that Shohei Otani's doing it, uh, do you think this will open the door for other? I don't think there's a lot of guys, but for maybe some guys.
5: It's interesting. Yeah. You you know, we, we have been resistant to it for a long time. Or yeah. I mean Kotz is is unique. I think Brad Wilkerson was another guy around that time who was doing the same thing, coming in to blow gas out of a pen. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes the right kind of person and, and potentially what Otani's doing maybe opens up your eyes to the possibility. But it's just it's so hard. You saw the Rays try a little bit of it with Brendan McKay, who you know, who did both roles. In college, who you know pitched on Sunday, DH'd otherwise, and was really talented at both. It just, you know, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And and um, God, I mean, you look at teams' injury lists around the game. It's hard to stay healthy doing one of those things, just being a pitcher, just being a position player. So um, it takes it takes a special talent. And now and has been a thing with with Otani up until now is he hadn't been healthy for the Angels. I, I think most of us in the game knew he was capable of this when, when, when he was coming over, when there was, you know, this sort of bidding war and teams having to woo him. I think everybody sort of knew this was a once in a generation talent that was capable of this. And that's why everybody went out of their way to try and try and get him. And, and um, he's healthy now. And I think the angels have done a really good job and it's, it's pretty special. I know Ba Bass spoke eloquently about uh, what it's like to, to face a guy like that and and then also see him go out and throw a hundred on the mound. So uh, it's, it's pretty special to see.
3: I remember reading reports. Some scouts came back and said, yep, he's got a stuff, but I don't think the bat will play in major league baseball. What were they watching?
5: (laughs) They didn't, they didn't have the exit velo readings that they needed because he was hitting the ball just as hard in Japan. As as he's doing now. So it was, it shouldn't have been, shouldn't be a surprise if you saw the ball come off his bat uh, back in, in his Japanese league days that, uh, that he's capable of some of the rockets he's hitting out now.
3: Let's end on this for you personally to be back out on the road and scouting and seeing amateur baseball players and starting to get ready for the draft. And you, I'm pro, I bet you're seeing a lot of smiles too on these amateur kids as they're getting back to to the sport they love. Just being back on the road, seeing baseball, getting ready for the draft. What has this meant to you?
5: It's been a fun week. I mean, I, I've always said this is one of one of the best parts of the job is is seeing uh, seeing amateurs and and seeing the kids that we draft and being able to follow them. And then you know when when a Matt Olson or a Matt Chapman gets to the big leagues to be able to say like, yeah, I saw, I saw all play in high school in Georgia. I saw Chapman play at Fullerton and we evaluated him. we did a good job and we, we developed that guy all the way to the big leagues. That's sort of the, you know, the, the whole process of this job. And, and it's been fun. I, I'm, I'm thrilled to be able to support our scouting staff, and go out and see players start that preparation for the draft, even though it's a, a month later this year than usual and uh, and to get out on the road and see some college and high school high school games, it's it's been a fun week for me.
3: Well, whether it's Billy Bean or Billy Owens or yourself and a lot of you guys, in the end, you're scouts at heart.
5: <laughs> well, you have to you have to like watching the game. I mean, what what are we doing if we're not if we're not out there watching baseball? And 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 you mentioned Billy O, so I I will say no one compares to Billy O when it comes to hitting the road and, and being in games. I'm not sure he has seen Gilbert Arizona since the end of March. I'm pretty sure he's been on the road for about 60 straight days, watching, watching amateur games. So no one gets after it quite like Billy. L.
3: Hey, a funny story about that. I mean, not only is he the King of Marriott points, but I was having a conversation with him and he said, it's weird. He didn't really know his neighbors. And once he got shut down and he was at home, he actually got to meet people in the neighborhood.
5: <laughs> <laughs> his his life probably changed more than most when he had to be at home for a year. Cause uh, yeah, like you said, there's not a Marriott anywhere in the uh, in East 50 States that he hasn't hit.
3: Great stuff. As always be safe, safe travels. And we'll talk to you next week.
5: All right. Thanks Chris.
3: The General Manager Show, David Forst, right here on A's Cast Live and A's Cast. We we saw an interesting article today, and I immediately texted it to Cody about potential trades and the one they had for the A's, Nelson Cruz. You mean the former A, Nelson Cruz?
2: Former A, <laughs> Nelson Cruz,
3: at forty-one.
2: Yeah, for, uh, I think he'll turn forty-one like right before the trade deadline.
3: I mean, if you told me we could put him in the middle of our order, because
2: all that guy does is get on base, hit. Well, we, well, yeah, he hits. He home gets routes. on base and hits. Yeah. Uh. Well, not to play devil's advocate or contrarian here, what do you do with Mitchy Fourbags? If
3: Nelson Cruz comes here, <laughs> Nelson Cruz plays every day at DH.
2: And then Jed plays every day at second.
3: And we've seen this guy torture the A's for years.
2: I was going to ask you, how many career home runs versus the A's? A lot. 37. Yeah. How many career homers at the Coliseum? A lot. 18. Yeah. Bring and him he, here. And he hasn't always been in division either. Yeah. Uh, Hembo, Hembo brought up a good point. And we have we kind of threw this guy's name out there. And, and in that same article, they said this guy should go to the Blue Jays. But why not go after Mad Max. Scherzer, Ugh. as Hembo said, um, you know, pull me in touch with your marketing department. One eye green, one eye gold. <laughs> Sign me up for Mad Max.
3: I mean, seriously, if you could get Max Scherzer, if if David and Billy could pull off Max Scherzer, I mean,
2: I mean, they have a good working relationship with uh with Mike Rizzo. Remember, they traded Sean Doolittle to the Nats. Uh, they traded who else? Uh, who else did they get? In the, they got back. They sent um, Ryan Matson. Was Matson in that deal with Doolittle? Or they got Trinan back and Jesus Lazardo. They traded what's his name? Um, catcher. Kurt Suzuki.
3: No, what's his name? God, he was the guy that couldn't throw anybody out in the wild card game. Oh, Daniel
2: Norris. They, yeah, they traded him. Derek Norris. Right? Derek Norris.
3: Didn't they trade him
2: there? He, that's uh, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, right. He couldn't throw anyone out. The former, then remember, he was a Padre too, right? I pull up Mitch Moreland's numbers. You do not want to put Mitch Moreland's numbers up to Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz, well, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, Nelson Cruz has how many home runs after he turned like thirty-eight? I think he's, he's got he's, t- ten or eleven this year. Yeah, he's been unbelievable. Um, he's he's unreal as he's gotten older. I mean, if you look if you look at his numbers from like 08 on, after the Rangers sent him down to the minors and they called him back up, he's hit like forty home runs. It seems like every single year. When uh what te- what Texas, Seattle, there was like a year with Baltimore in there somewhere. The guy also he does is hit home runs. And it's not like he's like hitting like two twenty hitting home runs. He's hitting like close to three hundred every year when he's hitting forty home runs. He's he a good be, hitter. He would be perfect for this lineup. And
3: he, he makes contact. He hits bombs. You can rely on him every day. He hits righties, he hits lefties. He's a monster. Uh, you even ha- at forty one.
2: Oh, uh, you don't have uh let me, my, let me get my computer. What? I think I think we've been through this before. I want to see what Nelson Cruz's career war is. Because I think we had the debate with Phoebe Hall. He's at 41. 41 career war, 427 career homers. But he didn't, start, he didn't start hitting home runs. His first big home run year wasn't until he was 28. He hit 33 homers that year. And then he hit 22, 29, and then at age 33 in Baltimore that one random year in Baltimore he hit he hit 40 where he led the league then it was 44 43 39 37 41 16 last year in the in the 60 game season and he has 10 this year uh that's consistency ladies and gentlemen for the the ageless wonder Nelson Cruz he's made
3: a 124 million in his career
2: and plus remember he played with uh Elvis Andrews and Mitch Moreland. Let's bring back all the former Rangers. what's Ron Washington? Can, can you poach wash away from the, the Braves
3: <laughs> Hey Bob Melvin, would, would you want to write Nelson Cruz in your lineup every day?
2: I mean that's I mean that's that's another great bat to have in your lineup and
3: you know what sucks is that we can't actually ask these questions to someone like David Forrest or Bob Melvin because of tampering like they can't talk about other team's players. They just can't, and I wouldn't want to put them in that position. Yeah, no. But I, I, I literally can say, hey, would you want to trade for him? He can't talk about it.
2: Well, I'm. No, you can't. I'm trying to think if there's a way you could phrase it like, hey, Nelson Cruz was in the system back in the day, and you know, would you like to have him back in one day? Bring, bring an old A back home.
3: They're not gonna. <laughs> t- they if you're if you're smart, you're not gonna talk about it. Cause, yeah. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, tampering, you get fined.
2: Yeah, I know. Ask Magic Johnson. Huh. <laughs> he quit the job with the Lakers so he could tweet. God, he's just <laughs> such a big mouth. It's like, Magic,
3: you can't <laughs> talk about acquiring. That guy would be a great Laker. So would that guy be a great Laker. <laughs> you can't do that.
2: Uh, he he quit he quit the Lakers job so he could tweet. Uh, I mean, he quit the Lakers job because it wasn't working. Yeah. Well, they won a championship, so it's all that mattered, I guess.
3: Not because of magic.
2: No, no. It was, they brought in some guy named LeBron, and he he did some he did some nice things in he's the a fl- L.A. He's a flawed player. <laughs> yeah, that's what I always heard. He can't shoot the three ball.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and then he makes that three against the Warriors.
2: Oh, oh yeah.
3: Yeah, for all the Warrior people who bagged on LeBron about shooting, and then he makes that three.
2: He's made a lot of big shots against the Warriors, not just that one.
3: <laughs> but you know, what all those years, like our, our buddy Greg Papa, he's a flawed player. He can't shoot. And then he puts the dagger into the Warriors. Well, the, be- the with best a wa- bomb three pointer. And the
2: best part about that three pointer was, is uh, he at the, after the game they asked him, he got after he got he got poked in the eye by Draymond Green. He goes, "I saw three rims out there. I just shot the ball at the one in the middle." <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. like, oh man, playing with one eye. Then he got hurt the next game when the, against the Suns when he hurt his shoulder. So he's playing with one arm, one eye. It's like, I mean, he's. He's something else. He's a great – he's the, He's probably the best – you know, one of the best players we've ever seen, but it's just the, – the way that he he handles getting fouled is it, – it leaves a lot to be desired with a lot of people. So, that's all I got today. That's all you got? I, well, I figured we'd land on a high note. I didn't think it was going to be ending on LeBron James, but we ended with Nelson – we're talking about Ageless Wonders. So
3: Well, we're going to see something that you've never seen before here at the Coliseum. You're going to see a guy pitch – and then he's going to go out and play a position.
2: Yeah. I mean, Sergio Roman did it with the race. He pitched, and they put him to play third base or first base, and he went back in the pitch. That's not this. <laughs> That's just manipulating the system. This, the race is, did that.
3: this isn't a gimmick. <laughs> this is he's going to pitch, and then they're going to put him back into the lineup, and he's going to get up there trying to hit bombs. It's fascinating to watch. All right. Who are we playing here leading up to uh, A's total access? James Caprelian, so – Ah, James Caprellian off to a wonderful start in his young career. I'll see you in a few minutes on A's Total Access. We want to thank Roxy Bernstein, Paul Himmikides from ESPN, and the general manager of your Oakland A's, David Forrest. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.